Welcome to Bear Creek AG's online service podcast. We're so glad that you tuned in with us today. We upload a new service every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. So we look forward to having you tune in with us again. Here's today's message. Today, if you would, get your textbooks out, turn in the book of Acts chapter 8 with me this morning. Acts chapter 8 this morning. As you do, just a reminder, if you were not here last week or you did not come prepared to give last week and you would like to give towards the Hawaii Relief Fund, uh, please do so at the end of the service as you leave. If you want to give in person, you're welcome to do that as our ushers, our greeters will be there as you leave. If you have the app, you can give online. Just put Hawaii Relief Fund. We want to try to help those folks. I know that we took up a really nice offering last week. Thank you for everybody who gave, who participated in that. My goal is to be able to send a thousand, at least a thousand dollars. That's not much, but at least it's something we can do uh, to help those in need. For us who, and I hate to keep mentioning the name Michael, because we really it's in our it's in our rearview mirror. Uh, we have we have moved forward, uh, but we understand for those who weathered the storm, pun intended. Uh, that uh, every every dime, every penny, every bottle of water, every bar of deodorant went a long way in the months that it took for us to recover. These people, just like we were, their lives have been destroyed. A hundred and something, hundred have lost their lives. The good news is, is that Convoy Hope is on the ground helping, and that's who the offering will go to. Will go towards Convoy of Hope, who's there giving food, uh, temporary shelter. They they create sh- uh, showers, all that. They're there on the ground helping those people uh, on that island. And thank God we have an organization like that that we can that's going to share Christ, not just food, not just water, uh, not just clothing, not just showers, but they're going to share the love of Jesus and thank the Lord for for that. Well, today we're going to pick up where we've been in this series on the book of Acts, Power for Today. Uh, I'm not going to review a whole lot of, about what we've been through. Just know the fact that God said, uh, Jesus said, actually, in, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, which is, uh, it is the foundational scripture for the whole book of Acts. It's actually the foundational scripture for the first century church and for the 21st century church. Amen. The, this, uh, the gospel plus this is, is why we exist. And Jesus said himself, but you will receive power in the Holy Spirit comes upon you that that word power means is dunamis in the greek and it means miraculous power come on miraculous power jesus says i want the spirit to come upon you uh, my holy spirit to come upon you so that you can have miraculous power you can have that supernatural power that you can have that dynamic power in your life why so you can just go do things so you could be a spectacle so you can draw attention to you no jesus no i want you to have that power why because you will be my witnesses in jerusalem Judea, Samaria, and even to the uttermost parts of the world. The purpose of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is to empower us to be witnesses. In other words, you, when you are filled with the Spirit, when you're saved and you're baptized with the Holy Spirit, you cannot help but talk about Jesus. You know, there's a time when I was younger and ignorant. And I knew people that all they could do was talk about heaven and talk about Jesus. And I used, there used to be a phrase that they're so, they're so heavily minded that they're no earthly good. 
Boy, have have I have matured in the Lord and and, and have plenty of years behind me. Uh, Unless the Lord really gives me a long life, fewer behind me, uh, are fewer ahead of me than behind me. I've come to understand that, yeah, maybe there are a few of them out there on the fringes, but the reality is, it's, it, we should be heavily minded to the point that where when we're walking around, we can't help but talk about Jesus. We can't help talk about what he's done. I'm looking out here today and I'm seeing miracles all across this sanctuary. Amen. I'm seeing miracles. Brian, you're a miracle. You was just in the ER on Friday, but look how God's touched you and continues to heal you. I know that uh, uh, um, uh, Harold just had to leave, but he he's a miracle. God in the work and, of touching him and, and miraculously healing his body. I look out here, there's miracles all around here. We serve a big God who loves us, and we should... We should have the power of the Holy Spirit within us that when we go out into the world, we can't help but talk about Jesus. Come on, people, right? We are Christ followers. Jesus is in my heart. I know that everything that I have is because of his love for me. My future's in his hands. My past is in his hands. Come on. And I can't help but talk about the love that God has for me and the plans he has for me and the same plans that he has for you. We can't help but tell others about Jesus. So let me ask you a question as we begin this morning, transition to the message. Who is God sending you to? If he saved us for a purpose and he wants us to have the empowerment of his Holy Spirit, not just so that we can be powerful in the sense of drawing attention to ourselves. Matter of fact, it should always point to Christ. If that's the reason that he's done it, then... Listen, folks, we, we, I really want this to touch home with us today, today, okay? I mean, this is where the book of Acts has brought us to. I've been preaching scripture by scripture for 26 weeks. Uh, so this is not me trying to manipulate and trying to kick you in the backside and get you motivated. We, we need to ask ourselves, if, if the first century church is the model, and it is the model for the 21st century church, we're here to share the love of Christ. And so I have to ask you, who is it that God is sending you to? Who has God put on your heart? Who is it you are praying for and you're asking God to give you the opportunity to share Christ with? If you don't have anyone to witness to, or if you're not praying about anyone, if there's nobody that comes to mind, it isn't because there aren't people who need to be saved in the world, is it? I mean, I don't want to cast stones and be judgmental, but the days are getting more evil the, th- the days are getting worse society is literally crumbling now as as followers of christ we have to ask the question we got to come to we can be those that says well there's nothing we can do to stop it it's just part of the end times or we can say no we've been empowered for this time such a time as this we may not be able to stop it but we can definitely reach as many people as we can as opportunity exists as presents which is every day because every day there's people you're coming across that don't know Christ. And see, our responsibility, according to the scriptures we're going to see today, is not to wait for people to come to church. I want that to resonate with you just a moment. Okay? It's not, it's not so people can come to church. No. It's our responsibility to go to the people. Our job is to go everywhere we go and tell people about Jesus. And that's what the followers in Acts did. In Acts chapter 8, verse 4 says, Those who have been scattered preached the word wherever they went. They were persecuted. They left Jerusalem, the greater uh, area of Jerusalem. And they left. But wherever they went, they sh- the reason they scattered was because of the name of Jesus. 
But when they scattered, they didn't stop talking about the very reason why they had to scatter. Are you with me? Our responsibility everywhere to anyone, we are to tell people about Jesus. In chapter 8, we've been introduced to a guy by the name of Philip. Philip is not uh, one of the disciples or the apostles. He's not even a pastor, although he does preach, as, as from what we learned two weeks ago. Uh, he, was a, he was a lay person who the Bible describes, Acts describes as full of the Holy Spirit. As he scattered, he heads north of Jerusalem, and he goes to the area of Samaria, and there God uses him to present the gospel for the very first time outside the Jewish people to the Samaritans. And if you remember the message from two weeks ago, he did. And people were saved. People were water baptized. Uh, 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 people were uh, filled with the Holy Spirit. Miraculous things had taken place under his leadership as he scattered and he shared the gospel. And a great revival took place. So as we... Come to the latter part of chapter 8, we're going to find that it transitions from Peter ministering to crowds to there's one particular person that is very important, which we know everybody's important to Christ, to God, that Philip, God is going to send Philip to. And as we do, very this, this listen, I don't plan, now I'm not going to talk about being short because every time I am, I go long. So let's just say this, there's three principles I want you to grasp today. And I don't want you to pray about it. There's nothing to pray about. As you see this, and you see Acts chapter 1, verse 8, and you see throughout the Gospels where it talks about for us to go, for us to share our faith. There's nothing to pray about in this message today. If nothing else, this is the mandate. This is the launching point. If you're not doing this, this is what you need to begin doing. And let me tell you something. If you're not baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit, I think that's a good place to launch from. Seek that so that you have the boldness to do what we're going to see. Because there's three basic principles in how Philip reached this Ethiopian leader that we need to grasp today as the Scripture brings it to us. The first thing is very, very simple. Evangelism is not limited to the church service. Evangelism is not limited to our gathering on Sunday mornings. I don't know about you. I love it when people come to the altar and give their heart to Jesus. I love it. Now, I'll be honest with you, there again, that may be a prideful thing. I hope it's not. It does make me feel good in the sense that I'm, I'm studying, I'm praying, I'm presenting it, and there's fruit. But the reality of it is, listen, that's not really God's intention. Not everyone who needs Jesus is going to attend church. And I think it's safe to say most of the people who need Jesus will not attend church. Are you with me? I'm just setting the foundation. If this is a court of law, I'm, I'm setting my arguments up, okay? That's why you and I have to be willing to go where they are and be watching for people who do not know the Lord. We need to go to them. We need to talk to them, right? We need to share Christ with them. doesn't mean we have to be preaching, but we need to prepare to share Christ. That's what Philip does. And, and it's an example for how we need to share Christ. Look at verse 26 of chapter 8. Now, an angel of the Lord said to Philip. An angel of the Lord said to Philip. First thing I want to point out to you under this first point <laughs> is thanks to this. God is talking. 
God communicates to you. He communicates to you through His Word. He communicates to your heart when you're in prayer. He communicates to you right now through this humble uh, preacher. He communicates to you through your teacher, through your small group leader. He communicates to you through other people. I've heard people say that God, they've heard the audible voice of God. I've never had. I don't doubt that they have. They've heard it. The point I'm trying to say is God is constantly communicating. He's constantly leading. He's constantly guiding us. We just have to have the ears to hear what the Lord is saying. We need to be people who are listening. Here, God is using an angel to talk to Philip. And what does he tell Philip to do? He says, go, go, go south to this road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Philip, where's he at? He's north of Jerusalem. A good ways north of Jerusalem. This road that the angels tell him to go to obviously is south, and it leads to the Gaza, it leads to the Gaza Strip. It's a south southwest road that it's a long road that leads out of Judea and it leads into Gaza. And he's saying, Go. Now notice that Philip doesn't know what he's going to do there, does he? All the angel said was, Go to this road. He has no idea why he's going. I think he probably knew if God's telling him to go there, there's something he needs to do. But the angel doesn't tell him that. He doesn't tell him what he's going to do. He doesn't even tell Philip where to go on the road. He says, just go to the road and walk the road. Now, I've heard testimonies of people, God telling them to go somewhere, not knowing what to do, and, and, and walk or sit or whatever, and suddenly something happens miraculously, all right? I mean, that's what's happening here, right? Doesn't know why he's just going to walk the road. The angel just said, go. I have found more often than not, we want God to answer the who's. He want, we want God to answer the why. We want to, God to answer the when. We want God to answer the where before we will ever move. And we have to understand God does not operate like that. He does not give us the big picture. He doesn't always tell us what the next step is. What he will tell you is go. And if we go, then doors open. If we go, then the anointing is placed upon us. When we go, people are ministered to. But one thing's for sure, if we don't go, if we don't walk in obedience, nothing's going to take place. It's a simple mandate. It's a simple message. Just go. What you and I need to do is just do that. It's just go. And that's what Philip does. He leaves Samaria and goes down to this road, and he just goes. He just goes. Now, what's happened is, I'm afraid, in our culture, I can't speak for every culture around the world, but I know for sure in the American culture, um, we believe Sunday morning is the big event. What do you think about that? Sunday morning. And don't get me wrong. This is a big event. This is where we come to praise God and worship God and fellowship as the body of Christ. Celebrate what he's done in the past, right? This past week. Looking forward to the next week, but just giving ourselves. A, but we think that this is the big event. And this is where people are going to get saved. It's, it's going to be in our services. But I don't believe that. If it were, we're not seeing it. That's not casting stones. I'm just making the statement. If that was God's plan, then we're not seeing it. See, I want to see people saved in our services. But the truth of the matter is, most people are going to be reached, are going to be encouraged, are going to be the gospel shared outside the four walls of this church on Sunday or Wednesdays or whenever you have your small groups. 
And I've been banging this drum now for about three years. The fact of the matter is, I'm trying to build this church up to be a discipleship church. That's my goal. Because if we're making disciples of you, then that means you're going out and you're reaching people. It's not happening here. We Do I want you to bring them back? Absolutely. Fact of the matter, they may not come to this church. It may be someone who's walked away from God and they have a church that they used to go to. If it's a Bible-believing, gospel-filled church, I'm, I'm okay with that. All right? We know there's other, other, God doesn't see denominations. You realize that, right? Come on, come on. I believe with the sum as God, the doctrines. That's why I'm, I'm a part of it, affiliated with it. That's why I'm, I'm, I, I'm ordained in it, because I believe we get most of it right. All right? But the reality of it is, is we, we have to go. And, and, but when we go, I want them, because I want us to build disciples. And I want to see salvations here on Sunday mornings. But the fact of the matter is, it's not designed that way. It's not designed that way. Even back in the day when we had Sunday night service and we called it the evangelistic service. I'm not saying that we didn't see people saved, but why were people coming in and get saved? Because we said, this is the service. You go out and you invite people to come back. So it's still about going out and compelling them to come. It's about building relationships. What we have to do is we have to walk in obedience to Jesus' command to go. We are to evangelize and we are to reach the lost out there because they're not coming here or most churches across our country. Think about it. Within a five-mile, ten-mile radius, there's over 10,000 unchurched people of Bear Creek and Sonoma God. 10,000 within a 10-mile ten, ten radius. It's about 1,000 people. Per, that's what statistics shows us, Okay. Think about that. Now, think about all the way across this county how many people are unsaved. Now, think for a minute. How many churches do we have in Bay County? Who can count that high? We'd all have to take our shoes off and count our toes, right? Right. I mean, come on. Let's be honest. I'm making a point here. I want you to grasp this. This is of God this morning. So we have all these unsaved people. We have all these churches. And for the most part, all these churches are unfilled. They're unfilled. See? What's my point? The point, and here's the thing: if they all, if everybody got saved and started going to church, we wouldn't have enough churches for the, 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 for all the people to get saved. The point I'm just trying to make is Sunday morning. As much as I love it, and it's important, not excuse to skip Sunday morning. It's just not. It's not designed. Yes, people can get saved, but evangelism is designed to take place outside the four walls of this church or any church for that matter that's the bible model that's the bible model see everyone who needs jesus is not going to come to church that's just not a true statement that's why we need to hear the call of the spirit and follow the commands of jesus and we just need we need to go i want that to resonate for your hearts you're an evangelist you may not have the call, the office, but we've all been commanded to go. Acts 8 tells us even in the middle of nowhere, even on a desert road, even in a place you don't think there are people who need to hear the gospel, there are people who need to hear, and that is why we have to go. I think we all agree there are people who need to surrender their lives to Jesus everywhere. Amen? Everywhere you go. So what's the problem? If we know that, What's the problem? What's the challenge? And I believe Jesus, this is a powerful statement. He tells us in John 4, 35, speaking to his disciples, his followers, he says, 
don't you have a saying, it's still four months until the harvest? Don't we always think there's more time? Even the lost think there's more time. We always think there's more time. I'll call that person later. I get to it at another time. And Jesus said, yeah, you have those sayings. It's still the harvest is waiting. But I'm telling you what, look around you for the harvest is plentiful. The harvest is ready. It's ready to be taken. All we have to do is open our eyes and look around and take advantage of the low hanging fruit because it's ready. It's ready. Which leads me to the second principle in personal evangelism. Evangelism is almost always, I'm going to use an absolute there, almost an absolute, always initiated by the follower of Christ. There's a few examples where it's not true. Acts 16, Paul and Silas in jail. The house shakes, the prison shakes, they all set free. The jailer's about to kill himself. Paul says, we're all still here. He goes, what do I have to do to be saved? I mean, that is shit. that's not the norm, though, is it? I mean, I, I very seldom, I, I've only had a few, I can count on one hand, how many times I've had somebody come to me and say, can you please tell me how to be saved? It just doesn't happen that way. That's not the norm. That's the exception, okay? Most times it's up to you and I to go, to know the, to go right, and, and to know the individual and make ourselves available and reach out in verse 27. So he started out talking about Philip, you know, go, go down to the road that leads to Gaza. And on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kandake, which means what? Queen of the Ethiopians. He's an official for, for her. He's the treasurer. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. So we have an idea of who he is, where he's coming from. And at home was sitting in his chariot, Going down, I'll, I'll improvise there, going down the road back to God's, obviously heading south to get back to Ethiopia. And what's he doing? He's reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. So as Philip is walking down this road, not sure what to do. Okay, I'm here, Lord. Lead me. I'm open here. What do you want me to do? All right. Had no idea where he's going. He comes across this Ethiopian official. He didn't know this was an Ethiopian official. He probably knew it was somebody that was not Jewish or not from Judea. Okay, if you don't know, Ethiopians are a little darker skinned than we are. I've lived in Ethiopia. I trust me on that, okay? I've lived there almost three years of my life. Beautiful people, beautiful culture, and this is what this gentleman is. And so Philip, what's he doing? He says, hey, hey, I, I'm, I'm just going to go, and I'm going to, I'm just, I see it. And what's the Spirit saying? The Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Just go, stay near it. I'm here. I'm putting in my mind it's probably hot. It may not have been hot during that time. We don't know. And he's walking. He's probably a little tired. Suddenly the Spirit says, just go go walk near the chariot. Okay. What's interesting is that in the book of Acts, the Spirit says to believers, go approximately 12 to 14 times. Just, just, just go. If you're a follower of Jesus and you're wondering what the Spirit is saying to you, if you're not hearing anything at all, I'm sure the Spirit's probably telling you to go. Just go. Go. Go make yourself available. Go look. Take opportunity. What? What? Hey, you're where you're at, not just because it's your job, not just because you need groceries, not just because you need your oil change, not just because you're, you need a drink for the junior store. If you're going, your purpose for going may be one thing, but just listen to the voice of God. Listen to the leading of the Spirit. Why are you going there? See, it's interesting. To the unbeliever, the Spirit says, come. But to the believer, he says, go. 
The Spirit's telling Philip to go and walk alongside this chariot. He could have, you know what, as I think about that, think about all the excuses Philip could have come up with. Well, Lord, I've already been walking for two hours. My sandals are wore out. Right? Are you with me? I got one person laughing. Good. You, you see the humor in my, in my comment there, right? I'm being a, trying to be a little sarcastic, a little funny, right? Uh, what, what if he doesn't speak my language, Lord? I mean, it's obvious he's, he's, he's not one of mine. I mean, we're not the same. What if you don't speak my language? You know, we think that we, we have that problem here in America, too. You know that? But it's not foreign languages. It's generational languages. <laughs> what if they don't understand me? All right, I'm going to get to that part in a minute, but I'm just saying excuses here. Here, Hey, Philip, for all practical purposes, is what? A commoner. We don't know if he's anybody of stature, but this guy, this, this Ethiopian, he's in a chariot, and he has somebody driving the chariot. He's obviously somebody of stature. Why would he listen to me? Who am I, God? Who am I, God? Right? Who, who, who am I? It could have been the fact that Paul, uh, Philip says, well, I'm a Jew, and obviously he's not. So it's easy for us to come up with all these excuses. But Philip doesn't look for reasons not to. He obeys and begins walking beside the chariot, and he's going to initiate the conversation. Verse 30, then Philip ran up to the chariot. No, he's not walking now. He's, he's kind of chugging. Maybe he ran up to walk next to it. I don't want to read more into it. But he had to put some effort into it. And this old boy here couldn't run. I can tell you right now, God, you have to have that chariot, have a flat tire. You're going to have to have that horse stop and take you Because something's got to happen here, Lord, all right? But no, no excuses. So he ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Now, uh, you that means he had, to, he had to understand that this was Isaiah the prophet. Got to know your word. Side note there, okay? Do you understand what you're reading, Philip asked? So he initiates it. So we, we have to put aside the excuses. We have to follow the leading of the Spirit. And then we have to get close to people. We have to get close to people. we got to take time out of our schedule. we got to be looking for these opportunities. And most often, unsaved people aren't going to come to you and ask, how can I get saved? It just, it's just not the way to do it. It just doesn't happen that way. So this is going to take time. Personal evangelism takes time and it takes effort. But just because it takes time and takes effort is not an excuse. It's not an out for you and I. There's no bargaining here. Go. The mandate is go. Go where? Everywhere. Go. Share my love. Share my grace. Share the promises I have for people. Let them know I care. Let them know I'm here. There's a, there's a world out there that's dying, that, that's lost all peace. They've lost all hope. Jesus says, I am the hope of the world. I can break peace when there's storms. And the storms won't go away, but guess what? You can walk through the storms with me. Go and tell people about me. Finally got some old man out of y'all. Philip had to leave the comfort of what he was doing in Samaria. Man, he had a successful ministry going. He had hundreds of people part of his church. Miracles taking place. Demons being cast out. Come on, somebody. I mean, man, I would love to see that. I'd like to see some demons. Never mind, we won't go there. Aunt Joe. But yeah, he had a successful ministry. Travel a pretty good distance to go. It didn't have a bus ticket. 
He didn't have an airplane ticket. He didn't have a chariot. He didn't have a donkey to ride on. This man was using his feet to get there. It wasn't easy. He had to go. He had to give up the comforts. He was tired. He had nowhere to rest. He had to walk on this road. Why? Until the Spirit gave him direction. And he had to pay attention to the person to hear him reading. And he had to take the initiative as the Spirit led to ask the question. We're going to reach people. We have to be intentional. Every once in a while, you go, even a blind hog finds an acorn. Oink, oink, here I am. All right? I mean, I get it. But we have to be intentional. We have to figure a way to get close to people. We have isolated. Now, listen, I, I know this sounds like I'm contradicting myself because I've preached about surrounding yourself with godly people, being part of a, a small group. You need that. You need that accountability. You need that fellowship. You need that encouraging. We, we need that. But also that we can feel, you need to be here on Sundays. You need to be here on Wednesdays. I'm going to tell you why. To get, your, get fired up, to get your tanks full, which you should be doing throughout the week as well on your own. So why? So that when you go into the world, you're, you're alert, you're, you're led, you're, you're listening, you're fired fired up, you're filled up, you're pumped up to go and to, to reach these people that you work with. You're supposed to be in the world, but not of the world. You should be set aside. They should see something different about your life. The words coming out of your mouth, how you handle the stresses of life, the situations at work. But we have to be intentional. One thing's for sure, if you don't obey the leading of the Spirit and go to the person you, you're being led to, nothing is going to happen. God has said, you're the person I'm sending you. Notice, not only did Philip get close, but he paid attention. He heard and, and listened to this man. The old saying is, people don't know how much you care until they, people don't know how much you know until they know how much you care, see? One way, of, a great way for people to know that you care is when you're willing to listen to them. Don't be so quick to give your opinion about everything. Listen to them. Listen. Let them talk. Hear what's on their hearts. Listen to what they're going through. Maybe let them vent about life or, or cry on your shoulder. I did that this week, not tooting my horn. I just The Holy Spirit just brought this back to remembrance. Someone in my past over 30 years ago, her husband died. Just recently, not last week. And then her granddaughter, I used to pick up on the bus when I was at another church. And so when this loved one passed away, they don't go to church. They, who are we going to call? We're going to call Tony. Now that's one of those times where God opens the door. I had a choice. I could have said, no, I don't know this man. I know you, but I don't know this man. And I really haven't seen y'all in, in 18 years. I had to make a choice. Take my day off, not go see my mom. I mean, I'm just saying these were, I said, you know what? I need to do this. And I haven't kind of bellyate to the Lord a little bit. Can I be honest? Not that I don't care about the family. They're sweet people. Love them to death. I really do. It's fun catching up and reminiscing. And I made a choice. But while I did, I said, this is an opportunity to speak into their lives. Well, you're a pastor. Well, you know what? You're all pastors in a way. You're all evangelists. That wasn't being a pastor. That was being an evangelist. So I was able to share with them. Hopefully, I planted some seeds. I didn't see any fruit from it, but I planted seeds. See? And, and, and I, that's not a judgmental statement. 
I'm just, they need God in this situation. And I pray God use me to bless them. Philip runs up to the chariot and listens to the Ethiopian read, and he initiates the conversation with a simple question. Do you understand what you are reading? You know what? This is a great way to start a conversation. We say, well, they're not reading. I don't mean ask them what they understand with the reading. Just ask them a question. Just ask a question. Stop long enough to ask a question. He opened the door with a question and lets the Holy Spirit guide the conversation. See? There's a lot of questions you could ask to start off that, con that, that, that uh, conversation, but always let it lead to spiritual issues. Always. How you feeling? How you doing today? Well, I'm not doing well. Really? What's going on? Well, you know, the... the my cat got run over by a car. Oh, I'm so sorry to see you. And I'm I, you're hurting inside. You love the cat. Oh, I hate the cat. I hate the cat, but I love the cat. Because, you know, the relationship with the cat is a love-hate relationship. It really is. Um, some people love to hate the cat. Some people hate to love the cat. It's just It just depends on the cat. And but that, in a serious note, that's where, you, you know, I've never lost a cat. But let me tell you something. I know that hole that's in your heart needs to be filled. Can I pray with you about that? Because I know Jesus wants to comfort you. Really? Jesus wants to comfort someone over a lost cat? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he does. It's a door opening. It's, it's, is it really that simple? It is. And if the door doesn't open and they don't take it, it ain't a lack of, of effort on your part. I'm, I'm, it, you know what? I can tell kids this and I can tell youth this. They're going out today to see how many people they can reach for Jesus. Because why? They believe their pastor. They're young enough to know that I'm not lying to them. But guess what? I'm not lying to you. It is that simple. It is that simple. And that's a great way to start a question. When you figure out what's going on, can I pray for you? And once you initiate the conversation, you need to be prepared to share the gospel. All right. You need to be prepared to lead into the gospel. Philip asked, do you understand what you're reading? And the eunuch replied, how can I? He said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. I imagine Philip was so glad he asked that question because he got to stop walking and he got to start riding. Amen. He said, man, if I'm going to share the gospel with you, I'm going to get up in this chariot. And you got any cold water, by the way. I'm ready to share the gospel. The passage the Ethiopian was reading was Isaiah 53. And this is how the Holy Spirit works. This is, this is the chapter, one of the chapters, a big chapter in the book of Isaiah, where the prophet is actually prophesying. He's describing Jesus. He was despised and rejected by mankind. Well, who is this man, the eunuch said? I don't understand unless you explain it to you. He took our pain and bore our suffering. It's this that took my pain and bore my suffering, right? He was pierced and crushed. By his wounds we are here. This is talking about none other than Messiah, Jesus, Christ, the anointed one, the Savior of the world. 
Then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture, and he told him what the good news about Jesus. He explains the verses are pointing to Jesus. Listen, you don't have to be a scholar of the Bible to share the gospel of Jesus, the good news of Jesus. You know what? It's simple saying there's a God who created everything. He loves you so much that he sent his son Jesus to die for you. Why? Because by nature, by sin nature, you sin, I sin, we all sin. But because of the blood of Jesus, God says, I don't see your sin. You put it in whatever words you want to. That's the good news that Jesus came, died, and rose again so that one day we could live with God forever. But until then, we can live with God now and live a life and an abundant life because of Jesus Christ. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. Tell them the story about how God touched you and changed you. You have a testimony, see? What if they ask questions? I don't know. Allow the Holy Spirit to lead you. And if you don't know, you know what the answer is? I don't know. And then you go figure out why, what the question is, the answer is, and you go back to them. You know what's interesting is, I was going to bring this up later, uh, but we have been blessed with this little script. It's out there for anybody who wants one, and we'll make more if we run out. But it's the gospel soul winning script. And I'm not saying you need to go and read this. Obviously, you could read this. But the idea is it gives you a script. It gives you a, a, a way of sharing the gospel. It's a great tool to use if you're not truly confident in yourself. At least it gives you a plan. But I'm saying we need to do something because people are dying and they're going to hell. We, we sang that song, and I, and, and, and I understand the meaning of the song, so I'm not knocking the song, but hell lost it up. We like to say that because we've never been able to say the word hell in our lives if you raised in church, right? I raised in a preacher's home. I was not allowed to say hell. I mean, come on. It's H-E double two spit or whatever. Even reading the scriptures, like, my daddy didn't want me to get in the habit of cussing, even though it wasn't cussing. But, boy, you guys get lively on that song because y'all want to use that word in church. That's y'all's problem. God's going to deal with y'all. All right? But the reality is, hell lost another one when I was set free. But what about my neighbor? What about the guy working at the table at the restaurant today? Uh, come on, what about your co-worker? What about your family members? Are we so afraid to run them off that we won't share the gospel? I hate that. I hear it all the time. Pastor, I'm afraid they'll, they'll quit talking to me. I love my cousin. I love my brother. I love my parents. But if I share the gospel with them, they're going to shun me. They're, gonna, they're not going to talk to me. So you'd rather them go to hell? There is a hell to shun and a heaven to gain in this world. And it's more about me and mine going to heaven. I want me and mine to go to heaven. But I also want you and yours to go to heaven. And I want the people that I come into contact with every day to go to heaven. This is the mandate. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Come on. And it says that you will cast out demons and you will lay hands on people and they will be saved and healed and saved. It's a mandate. I'm passionate about this. Passionate about this. This is our mandate. It's our mandate. If you do what you can do, then let the Holy Spirit do the rest. Do you understand what you're reading? Well, how can I? don't know if Philip expected that response. Well, how can I unless somebody explains it to me? Well, if you let me up in that chariot, I'll explain it to you. I spent all the time you want to, buddy. 
I think the reason why he was transformed or uh, I'm going to use a Star Trek term, you know, he was transported out at the end of the story was because he was just too tired to walk. You let me up there, buddy. I'll spend all the time in the world with you and I'll explain it to you. See, the beauty of evangelism is that you and I don't have to do it all. It doesn't all depend upon us. It depends on the Holy Spirit. And we give him our little, and he makes it great. He makes it great. He makes it great. Evangelism is not limited to the church. Evangelism is almost always initiated by the follower and the third follower. And the third point I want to point out is evangelism is, and this is an absolute, is always, always preceded by the grace of God. If the Holy Spirit is leading you, if he's opened the door, if he's laid someone on your heart, that means the grace of God has gone before you. What do you mean by the grace of God? Well, I believe it was John Wesley called it the prevenient grace of God. Which means that prevenient means pre-meeting, which means that before you ever meet with that person, the Holy Spirit's already ministering to that person. See, I like that. I like that. Before I ever go, before I ever preach this message today, you all need to hear this message. But there may be some in here that need to hear it a little bit more because maybe God's been dealing with you about a specific person in your life that you know you need to go to. It may be someone who's facing death's door. I was so glad to know this gentleman that I did his, his funeral celebration praise. Uh, I'm so glad because someone came up to me and said, I shared Christ with him the week before he died. I said, thank you. I didn't get that privilege. I said, because if I had of it, I would have shared Christ with him. He was about to meet his maker. That's like we all are. And the only entrance to heaven, the only way into heaven is Jesus Christ. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. See, not all roads lead to heaven. But matter of fact, I can say all roads but one lead to hell. All roads except for one lead to destruction. Only one leads to God. No man comes unto the Father unless the Spirit of God, unless Christ draw them to the Father. That's how I'm comfortable knowing if God's leading you to somebody that the Spirit of God is already working on that person. Because that person can't know, know God unless the Holy Spirit's already working on Why would the Holy Spirit send you to talk to somebody if he hasn't already been working on that person, see? Oh, we, we think it's all about us. And isn't that a little prideful? Isn't it a little prideful to think that somebody's salvation is based on how well I present the gospel? Yes, you need to present the gospel. You need to be able to share it. But the reality of it is, it's the Holy Spirit's doing the work. You're just a vessel. You get to pick the fruit. He's the one who's been working on the tree. Oh, man. I'm telling you, you can do this. You can do this. Come on, somebody. You can be an evangelist. You can reach the lost for the kingdom of God. And here's the thing. If you do it, if you're led, and you do it, and they don't accept it, that's okay from your standpoint in the sense that you've done all you can do. Because not everybody I've tried to reach for the kingdom has accepted Christ. But some have later because all I was doing was watering and fertilizing something that the Holy Spirit already planted in their life. All right? Don't mean I give up. Don't mean I don't go back. I'm just saying, don't give up on your first attempt. Don't get discouraged. Don't feel like, whoa, it's me. No, you. if God sends you, you go prepared. You go ready to share the gospel. Ready to share your testimony. And pray God to open the door where you get to share it. All right? And just trust the Lord to take it. 
He takes your mess, and we say he makes a message out of it. The tests you've been through, he makes them testimonies. Hi, my name's Tony, and I'm a, I'm a former sinner. Well, I'm still a sinner, but I'm saved by grace. Right? Don't know where I left off, but that's okay. I, I believe that God is already at work before you and I go talk to anybody about Jesus. And that is true in our scripture this morning. God had prepared this Ethiopian's heart before Philip ever showed up. Think about it. He had traveled from his home country to Jerusalem. Ethiopia, Jerusalem is not a short trip, even with a chariot. And what had he come? Now, Philip didn't know all this. understand that. But just for in con context. So what does he do? He goes to Jerusalem. Why? He wants to worship. He has heard somebody tell him about the God of the Jewish people. He obviously has the book of Isaiah. So somebody's giving him some books, or at least part of the book. And he's going there to worship. Think about the challenge for this man to receive Christ. Now, the God of Judaism is Yahweh. He wasn't going there to worship Jesus. Let's get it straight, okay? But there's something about the same God. We just get to him by grace and not by works now. That, that's, so he's going there to worship. Do you understand the challenge for this man to worship God in the, in, in the, in the, in the temple? First, he's a eunuch. Very limited because he's a eunuch. Okay? That would limit him where he could worship in the temple. Second, he's a Gentile which means he could only go so far into the temple anyway. He was discriminated against because of things that were outside of his control. And yet he wanted to go learn about the God, Yahweh, of the Jewish people. And he went, and, he, and, he, and I'm not trying to read more into it, but something there that triggered it where he's a little bit more hungry, he picks up this book, Isaiah. Maybe he got it at the bookstore at the temple. I don't know where he got it from. But obviously they weren't just handing those out, right? I mean, we realized they didn't have the Guten printing press and all that stuff at this point, right? They were, hand, you know, so, but he had it. He had it. It was hard for him, but yet the Holy Spirit had been working on him. And we don't know his life. I, I like to read a little into it. I don't want to add to the scripture takeaway. I don't want to be cursed, right? But he became an evangelist after Philip reached him. He went back to Ethiopia and sharing not just about the God of the Jews, but the Savior, the Messiah of the world. He went from being a Jewish thing to being a world thing and i don't like to use the word religion i know that but it became about the savior of the world see did this happen by chance of course not this didn't happen by chance this wasn't a coincidence god had been working on this went way before philip ever came into the picture so where do you get the confidence to do what philip did here well i think i think I, honestly I, I think we have to have boldness and if you're not, if you're not baptized, you can witness without the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Okay, I'm here to tell you that. If you're filled with the Spirit, we're not a notch above everybody. Okay, I don't there's no I want that hierarchy. I'm just saying the purpose of the baptism, the mind, the main purpose, and you know I've been preaching this for 25 weeks. The main purpose of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I want you to have your prayer language. I like gifts being in operation. That's that's a part of it. But the main purpose is so that you have the power, the boldness, the supernatural strength to be a witness for Jesus Christ. It begins there. 
Next, knowing and looking for those opportunities and trusting that the Lord himself, his spirit, the Holy Spirit has gone before you. If you know that and God prepared, man, that's like that's like going out here and just not planting the tree, not fertilizing the tree, not waiting for the tree to grow, not watering the tree. Just, hey, there's a tree. Let me pluck the fruit. Fruit being the unsaved being saved. That's you being fruitful, producing Christians. Then what do we do with them? Well, then you bring them back to church. You build a relationship with them. But that's why I want discipleship. That's why we have Sunday morning, Sunday school, small groups, Sunday morning, small groups, Wednesday night throughout the week. Why? I'm beating this drum because that's where people find their freedom from their past, their sin. They discover their purpose and they start making a difference. And you know where I'm about to go. If 80% of Christians today don't know what their purpose is, they're wandering around aimlessly. But once we discover what our purpose is, why God uniquely made me, we start making a difference. And when people get saved and they get this freedom to discover their purpose, they start making a, di a difference. Guess what? They don't leave the church and never come back. I'm tired of seeing people come, get saved, and leave. And I'm talking about not going to another church, just not, not, not understanding. Coming to church doesn't save you. That's what saved people do. We're part of a body. Come on. We're here to, to love on each other, encourage each other, be responsible, accountable, work, minister together. He's gone before you and the Spirit knows you're the right person to reach that person. If he's sending you, get ready. Acts 8, 36, as they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, here's, here's water. What can stand in the way of me being baptized, right? Don't you love that? You know, in the book of Acts, when people saved, they got baptized instantly. They, they found water. We put it off till the next baptism. I'm done putting it off. People get saved. Next Sunday, we'll have a baptism service. If you, if you don't want to wait that long, I'll take you down here to the creek. And we'll baptize you. I don't care. Let's get wide. It doesn't save them, but it's the first act of obedience. It's the first act of obedience. They need to walk in obedience to the word of God. It doesn't save them, but it says, I'm changed. No one there to witness it, but the driver of this chariot and Philip that we know of. <laughs> Man, I love that. He believes there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? Of course, Philip, Philip says, if you believe you can. Verse 38. And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized them. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away and the eunuch did not see him again. But he went on his way rejoicing. He didn't say, dude, to the driver, you know, Mark, did where'd this guy go? Man, where'd he go? No, he said, there's something different that's happened in my life. I, I now understand what I'm reading over here in the prophet Isaiah. I now have a relationship. I'm not discriminated against. I have a personal relationship with God, the creator of all the world because of what Jesus has done. And I've received that work he did on the cross for me and I am saved today. And he is rejoicing. Philip, however, thank you, Lord, for transporting me, appeared to Azotus and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. Isn't that a great story? It's a real story. I don't mean story in the sense, oh, we just read a fairy tale. This is real life. So as I close this morning, and I know you're starting to gather your stuff together, but I really want you to listen because I got a challenge. I mentioned two things. First, if you're a Christian this morning, then you have an obligation to respond to this message. 
you have this obligation. See, it's, it's not if you have time. See, we're not called to be hearers of the word. We're not called to be hearers. Yes, our faith is built by hearing, but you know how your faith is grown even more by obedience. We're called to be what? We are called to be doers of the word. So when you and I hear the Bible preached, we have to believe it and receive it as if the, the Lord is speaking directly to me today. You're not here by happenstance. You're not here by accident. I'm glad our guests are here today. But guess what? You didn't just decide, we're going to go to that crazy little church up in the woods. They got that fat little preacher who, 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 can't, who cannot preach himself out of wet paper bag. But thank God the anointing comes on him every once in a while, right? No, you have to be understanding that God ordained you to be here today. And this is for everybody that calls Bear Creek home. But definitely for you who are here today, you have to receive it as if God is personally talking to you. As if he is using me like he used the angel to preach to Philip. And it's just me and you right now. There's nobody else around. And he's saying it's time for you to own this. It's time for you to put your, your big boy, your big girl pants on, get your shoes up by the bootstraps, come on, and you need to get out there, and you need to go when I tell you to go. You need to talk when I tell you to talk. You need to present the gospel when I tell you to present the gospel. Walk in obedience, and when you do, let me tell you something. The first person you reach for Christ is intoxicated. You say, man, I'm ready to go reach somebody else, but wait. Don't leave that person too long by themselves, right? God led you to them, then you need to be there to hold their hand for a while. I don't believe that you have to go out and reach the multitudes. Not unless God put the calling of pastor or evangelist on you, okay? I'm one of those callings, five-fold minutes. No, no. It's not like he's saying, James, this week you've got to reach 100 people. That's your quota. Because that's the problem the church has. People come in. They, they do come to the altar and get saved, but who's responsible for when they leave? Well, you are a pastor. No, I'm not. I'm here to train and equip and to release you. Do I reach out to people? I reach out to people. But if you're placing the responsibility on me to disciple everybody, my leadership, my board, my staff, my small group leaders, and, and, and to check on people who are sick. I look, I'm not trying to get myself out of it. I'm just saying it's not because of my position that I hold the greater responsibility. The reality is you hold that responsibility. And I said I was closing. I'm going back to preaching. So this is what you and I need to expect this week. Are you ready? The Holy Spirit is going to lay somebody on your heart. Or he's going to allow you to come across somebody. And at that moment, you have to make a choice. You have to make a decision. What do I do? Because I, I, that preacher, I wish he hadn't said that. He said, this week, and now I'm looking. I'm trying to ignore it. No, that's not you, God. No, don't come up with excuses. Don't try to deny it's the Holy Spirit talking to you. No, that's just the voice of that preacher. He said, no, no, it's the Holy Spirit. He's speaking to you. You have to own that. And that with boldness, you've got to go to that person or stop. Change, you may have to change your plans that day when he lays that person on your heart. Well, I plan to go to the grocery store. Well, that ain't really a sacrifice. Never mind. No one likes to go to the grocery store. Whatever it may be. And I need to go to that person. And I, need to, I just need to go check on them and just, you know, Lord, I feel like this is you. If this is you, open the door. Help me. And be prepared. Don't be surprised when they say, man, I'm so glad to see you. What, how do I approach that, Pastor? If you know the person, say, you know what? Be honest. The Lord's laid you on my heart. I'm here to check on you. Are you okay? 
Maybe he wants me to pray for you. Let it lead to spiritual things. He may lead you to a place and they don't have any water. And God leads you to go get water. I heard a testimony this morning. It's a great testimony. How God led this man to go get water at this place of employment because they working outside, didn't have water. He's waiting on his turn. And so he goes and he does it. And, and, and unfortunately, I shouldn't say unfortunately, it was shared that the regret was is I didn't, I really didn't share the gospel. So what do we do? We learned that was an open door. Man, you thirsty? Here, here's a bottle of water. Can I tell you about the one who says that if you drink of me, you'll never thirst again? Oh, that may be too, you may, well, that's kind of too forward. Maybe. But let it lead. And I don't beat that person. That person knows who they are. And the priest in Sunday school says, I'm you. That's a great example of how the door opened. Just close it. Be a closer. Close. Don't close the door, but close the. It sounds like you're selling something. Close the deal. I used to be a salesman. Um, you know what I'm talking about. I don't mean you, you, you're selling Jesus. I'm just saying, close it. And you have that opportunity. Well, you just learn from it, right? You just learn from it. So next time, I'm not going to forget this moment. Because, man, maybe I missed an opportunity. But seeds were planted. That's what's going to happen. You're going to have to go to that person. You're going to have to get out of your comfort zone. You have to be determined now that even though you don't know what's going to happen, that you're going to go. Thank you, brother. That you're going to go. If the Spirit of God says go, no need to question it. Just go. He's going to do through you what he wants. If he's calling you, you are the person to reach that person or plant the seeds that will be harvested later in that person's life. Imagine, can you imagine for just a moment if every one of you make eye contact, don't you look down. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Don't make me walk this eye. You know, I love you and I'm giving you truth today. This is not a deep, this is a very deep message, but it's not. Can you imagine if every one of you this week went to whoever God laid on your heart and he opened the door for you to share the gospel. We have maybe a hundred people in the sanctuary this morning about that, okay? Those listening, those in the back in our overflow room, okay? Now, if we have a hundred people, what what if only 10% of those people get saved? That's 10 people saved. That there's 90 people that the gospel was shared with and there's seeds planted. But what happens if 20 are saved? What happens if 50 are saved? What happens if one is saved? See, we, we look at it from the business model, secular model, what is successful. If one is saved, it's successful. You going and not reaching the person or you not succeeding in reaching them for kingdom is not a, a failure. It's a success because, one, you walked in obedience. You shared the gospel. Amen. That's a win-win. That's a win-win. But you also shared the gospel. You spoke into that person's life. That's a win-win, even if the results is not salvation. Good news is, if it's somebody you know, they can always come to you when the Spirit continues to work on them. Brother Bill, you be thankful. It's not based on you, buddy. You just walk in obedience. Okay. Second thing I want to mention, and this is a lot briefer, is that you may be here this morning and you've never surrendered your life to Christ. The Bible says that Jesus, he's, he stands at the door and he knocks. 
anyone who just opens up, he says, I'm going to step through that door and we're going to fellowship. You're going to get to know me. I know everything about you. But you're going to get to know me. And what will happen is you will discover that he is a God of love. He's a God of grace. I'm only here because of his grace is love. He's a God of mercy. He doesn't hold your past against you, but your past, if it's not covered in blood, is held against you just simply because of the sin nature. And he doesn't want that for you. He wants to wash you spiritually in his blood, make you white as snow, list your name in the book of heaven up there called the Lamb's Book of Life. Come on. Come on. It's real. It's real. And he wants to do that for you today. And you may have not let him in because you didn't know you needed to. Or you've not received it because you're putting it off. There's four months until the harvest, we like to say. We always want to put it off. Because we feel like, can I be honest with you? We, we Christians, we, don't, we make walking with God look like it's boring. We do. We got our noses up like this. We look miserable. Am I lying? We mock around groping, moping, grouchy, moping, groping. We do. Who wants to be a part of that? Some of us can be the greatest billboard for Satan. Come on. I'm preaching truth. I know I'm stepping on. I'm having fun being a Christian. It's fun. It's exciting. We're doing life together. I love hanging out with you, bunch of misfits, right? We're like the toys on the island of misfit toys. Come on. But we all have a place, and this is our place. All right. This body of Christ may limp a little bit. All right. Come on. I'm not trying to be funny for the sake of funny. I'm serious. We, we need to have fun as Christians, and we can. And I do. Come on. And then here's another reality today. You may have one time opened the door to Jesus, but you know you're not walking with Jesus. And I just want to tell you, he's like the father on the porch, the prodigal son. And he is waiting. He's got a new robe for you. He's got a pair of sandals for you. He's got a ring he wants to put on. He's ready to, he's ready to have a party. He's just waiting for you to come back home. That's good preaching right there. It's good preaching right there. That's the God I serve. He loves me enough to accept me the way I am, but he loves me enough not to leave me in the state that he finds me. I return. And so we need that. That's the reality of today's world. Walking with God. You're an evangelist. Everywhere you go, you think, you think you're going to work on somebody's vehicle, but he, man, that's how God's bringing income. You think you're going to teach cooking or take pictures, whatever you do, Paul, in these days. We don't know anymore all that you do. But that's, but that's, that's, that may be the way God blesses him, but it's really his mission field. You've got to understand that. Be open to wherever God's taking you and be ready. Slow down. You hear someone crying. Could be a child. Teachers, educators. Could be a child. Well, I can't share Jesus. I may lose my job fully. Guarantee the school board wants those kids saved so they quit acting the way they're acting. 
And maybe that, maybe a little bit of Jesus go home with those kids and those parents quit acting the way they're acting. Well, now I've gone from preaching to meddling, so let me just shut it off. I love you, church. I walked in here today not, not feeling, feeling it today. You ever have those days? Just not feeling it. During worship, during praise, thank you, praise team again. The words of those songs reminded me who I am, who God is, and my purpose. And the purpose of this message to ignite a fire. You want revival to break out? Let it start in your life. Like I said, people may eventually come to this church if revival breaks out, but it's, it's eventually. It's going to take place as you get caught on fire and God starts seeing, or people start seeing what God's doing in your life. Amen. Father, thank you so much for the anointing, the presence of your Holy Spirit, for the freedom that I have felt, Lord, in this room today. God, for the freedom of our worship and our praise today, God. Lord, I'm praying and trusting that we've left it all on the field. Lord, with every breath, with all of our energy, God, we have given you our best today. I feel like I have. And I thank you. But Lord, I don't want to just preach just to fill 45 minutes and I'll go home. Lord, I do. I pray that the words that you spoke today, it wasn't me, that they were you, are received by this body today. And Lord, that we understand the obligation. We are obligated, Lord, when we receive Christ as our Lord and Savior, we are obligated to share with others what you have done for us. There's a mandate on our lives, God. We're not our own. We're bought with a price for the purpose of serving you by sharing your love and sharing your word. And God, with those who are lost, who are bound in sin, God, who are literally, Lord, their lives are falling apart and just disintegrating before our eyes. God, give us, give us passion, compassion for the lost. And help us to listen to that, to the voice of your spirit, God, as you lead us, as you tell us to go to walk in obedience. Lord, for those who aren't prepared to tell to share their testimony, Lord, may we all be able to share our testimony in a two-minute window. God, because sometimes that's all the time we have. It's two minutes with somebody, Lord. God, to share that, Father, and be willing to boldly reach out and ask them if today they were to die, would they spend eternity in heaven or hell? God, give us that boldness, God, I pray. For those here today, Lord, who don't know you, May today be that day for those who are no longer walking with you. May today be the day that they return. So with every head bowed and eye closed right now, this is a very serious moment. I don't think God would have me preach this message and not give an altar call. Matter of fact, I'm going to give an altar call every week because we don't know who's in our midst. We don't know the condition of their lives. But if you're here this morning and you would like to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, or if you've walked away from that relationship, you say, today, I want to recommit my life and I'm ready to walk and step with the Holy Spirit and give, surrender. Not, not just receive Jesus as Lord, but surrender your life to Him. If that's you this morning, I want to invite you to come up to these altars. I know I don't always do that. And you say, boy, Pastor, there's a lot of pressure to do that. That's how I know you're serious. If that's you today, I'm just going to wait just a moment. I'm not going to ask the praise team to come up. We don't necessarily need the music to touch the heart right now. This word has already done it. The spirit has already moved in here. If that's you, he's already working on you. He brought you here today. That's how I know it's today's your day. You're here. You're here and it's not coincidence. 
Come today to hear that Jesus loves you and he has a plan for your life. If that's you, will you quickly, quickly come to these altars? I'm not going to wait long. I'm not going to beg you. Thank you. Thank you. I need, I need, I need two spirit-filled ladies to come. Come. Pray. Please. Not just pray. Talk. Ask her why she's here. Talk. We know why she came down, but we often, it could be other things involved. So talk. Know how you can pray for her. Anybody else? Thank God for this tender heart. Anybody else? I know that I'm not walking with God. I know that I've walked away from his plans. I never knew he had plans for my life. He does. Ephesians 2.10 says that way before you were born that God laid out good works. He gave you a purpose, a divine purpose. That's why you have life. You're not here just because your mom and dad or your parents decided to, to, to have you. You're not here by accident. If they hadn't planned to have you, you're here because God ordained your life. Make the best of it by giving it fully to him today. He'll do more with your life than you ever thought you could. The dreams he has for you, the plans he has for you, the places he will take you. Oh, I'm not going to sell you a vacation plan. I'm not going to say it's all going to be great and good. I'm just telling you God's going to be with you and you'll be amazed at what he does in and through you. Anybody else in the name of Jesus, would you come? Come, come. I need some more ladies, please. Some more spirit-filled ladies, please. Come, come. Please talk to them first. Make sure we know why we're praying. Amen. 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 Glory to God. There's lives being changed for the name of Jesus. Hang with me, churches. Hang with me. There's a sweet presence of God in this room right now. And he's touching and he's challenging you. Some of you need the boldness. You've not been fat filled with the Holy Spirit. If you today you want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, it's a gift God says he's already got for you. Just like salvation, it's not salvation, but like salvation is a gift. Ask and receive. And that's you today and you'd like to have that boldness. Won't you come down and we'll pray with you to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We'll pray with you. You need that boldness to be a witness. To not be afraid. Afraid of rejection. Afraid of what people will think. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Come on, church, pray. Come on, pray. Pray. Come on. Let's be, let's be spectators. Let's be participators. Hour's still early. It's still early. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, touch. Lord, let there be no more question. Let there be no more question in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, no more question. Father, she knows beyond a shadow of a doubt, God. And Lord, let that relationship grow. Lord, as she surrenders completely to you, your plan, your will for her life. God, as you do that, Lord, you're going to open up things in her life. God, she's going to be amazed, Lord, what you're going to do. Oh, God, how you're going to lead her, God. How she's going to hate God. Let her hear it right now, God. Let her hear about your love, God. Let her know, sense, and feel your presence, God. I pray, God, you fill her with your Holy Spirit, God. I don't want to just stop. Father, rededication, Lord. I'm believing and praying, God, for the Spirit, your Spirit, God, and fill her with the power, God, to live the life, God, that you've called her to live, God, and to perform, God, the exploit 
exploits that you've laid out for her in advance to do, God. I'm believing that in the name of Jesus, God. Oh, God, in the name of Jesus, empower her, God. Lord, to walk away from the old life. To, Lord, to leave the hurt, the disappointment, God, the bitterness, the anger behind her, God. No longer controlled by her emotions, but, Father, being led of your spirit in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Glory to God. Heal. Heal. Lord, help her to extend forgiveness, Lord, if there's any need to be extended. Lord, I know it's a process she's working through, God. Strengthen her, God. Let her know, Lord, you know where she's at, God. Let her know, Lord, you hear her prayers, God. Lord, you see the tears, God. You know her heart, God. Lord, you know the fear that she has, God. The anxiety, Lord, that's just riddling her mind, God. Father, heal her of those things, God. Heal her of her past, Lord, the trauma, God, in the name of Jesus. name of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Church, if you would stand all across this room. I'm going to pray over you, and I want you to receive this prayer as your own. But I want you to receive it. Father God, in the name of Jesus, I first, I thank you for an attentive congregation today, Lord. They have been in tune with the reading and the preaching of your word, God. And I thank you, Lord. Thank you for the anointing, God. It was not me, Lord. I humbly acknowledge it is you, Father. I know, God, that you are already working on people before they ever step foot in this church, and I thank you. Thank you for those who responded to the altar call, God. Thank you, Lord. They want to be sure, God. They want to make sure things are right, God. I, there's never, there's never a, a, a wrong reason, God, to come to the altar. And I thank you, Lord, and I'm believing, God, that you're working in their lives. I know you are. Now, Lord, I speak over the rest of us, Father. God, as we leave here this place, that we understand, Lord, this building is not our mission field. God, as we walk out these doors, Lord, we're stepping into our mission field. We're stepping into the harvest. God, it is ready. It's white. It's ripe. It's, it's, it's ready to be taken. So, Lord, help us today, God. Receive it and walk in obedience. Let us be doers and not hearers of this word today. And like Philip, Lord, may we be sensitive to your spirit. Answer the call and just go and walk in obedience, God. And be involved with the lives of the people around us, God. We're never going to reach our neighbor, Father, for you, for the kingdom, if we're not having a relationship some form or fashion with that neighbor. Same way with our coworker. Same way with the parents on the ball team or the dance team that our kids are on, God. So, Lord, I pray that, Father. God, as you lead us this week, each and every one of us, in the hearing of my voice, those who are online, God, as they hear this message, Lord, I'm believing, God, that each and every one of us is going to walk in obedience to your leading, not talk ourselves out of it, not give excuses, but walk in obedience to your leading, God. And I believe, Father, when we go to the people that you're leading us to, they're ready to receive the gospel of Jesus Christ, God. And, Lord, I'm believing in a harvest this week. Your psalm says that we will come in rejoicing and weeping as we bring in, Lord, the sheaves, God, the harvest. Lord, may we be that church, God, that are not just disciples, but also harvesters, God, in the name of Jesus. May we be that church, God, taking it seriously, Lord. I'm believing this Sunday coming up, God, we're going to have people come to church for the very first time, having received the good news, God, and ready to come, Lord, and be a part of something bigger than themselves and discover their purpose, God, as they find their freedom so that they can make a difference. And I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Greet each other around you. Don't rush. Your pastor was short today.
Thank you for joining our podcast. Here at Bear Creek AG, our goal is to help others know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. Have a great week.